wow, the Detroit Lions really getting lucky at this point in the 2022 season. Thanks, everyone, for joining the latest All Lions podcast, made possible thanks to SI.com and the Arena Group. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. Great news just dropped about the Detroit Lions. Jamison Williams. It was really interesting in that the national media was talking about the potential of Jamison Williams being activated by the time the team faced the Jaguars this week at Ford Field. Ian Rappaport, NFL Media, came out and said that, look, here, here was his theory, that in order for, in order for Jamison Williams to be able to play and practice, then it had to be something that you would have been comfortable with if you were the Lions training staff. And you look at it and you say, wait a minute, yeah, Jamison Williams got out on the field and he, for the last couple of weeks, has been running around, has been doing more activities. So there is a great opportunity for Jamison Williams to make an impact. So so many people were locally basing their opinion on what Dan Campbell had said all this week when he was talking about Jamison Williams. And you look at history, too, of how the Lions this year had addressed a lot of the returning players. Most of the players that are on IR, they had been in a situation in which they were worked back in slowly. So what that meant was they get back, they get activated, they get um, potentially a situation in which they're put on IR, and then they work their way back when their clock opens. You have 21 days when a player is put on PUP or IR, and you have the opportunity to open their practice window, you have that decision by the time you evaluate a player over over three weeks. Hey, should they get out on the field or should they have the opportunity to then go back to IR for the remainder of the year? So you look at it and you say, okay, based on the history of how the lines will uh, were used, that you figured that they were going to be ta- they were going to take things slow with Jamison Williams. So I had figured the best scenario might have been to play him against the Vikings. But hey, now that you're at this point in the season, you've seen him for two weeks and you've seen the opportunity for Jamison Williams to get back with his teammates, to start working with Jared Goff. Boy, what an exciting time. What an exciting opportunity when the news broke earlier on Saturday that the Lions were indeed activating Jamison Williams off the NFI list. He wasn't on IR. He was on the the not uh the football the non-football related injury list because it happened when he was his injury, his torn Achilles happened when he was at college. Did not take place at the time when he was in the NFL. So he was after tearing his ACL, he was then placed on the uh, then he was drafted by the Lions and then officially placed on the NFI list when the season started. Has not been working in terms of uh, on-the-field work with the Lions, has been training, has been obviously running now for the past two weeks, has been with the team, has been, you know, going through. Now, this whole time, Jamison Williams has been in meetings, has been uh, somebody that's been really heavily involved. All the coaching staff has said that, look, this is a player that is really engaged, is really a individual. He's really an individual that loves football not an individual that's all about me and all about the the bling and things like that. This is an individual that lights up when he plays football. 
He is a high football IQ player that loves the game, that just eats it, loves being in the meetings, loves being in the facility. So I was, like I said, I was quite frankly surprised. I was shocked that Jamison Williams was activated on this Saturday. And it coincides with other news that we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. Later on, too, in this podcast, in just a few moments, going to check in with Eric Woodyard from ESPN, quality writer, nominated for uh, great awards based on his features and his in-depth reporting of the Detroit Lions as well. Always enjoy my banter with him at the Allen Park facility. A great reporter. Uh, got to meet him when uh, when I just started covering the Pistons on a, on a lighter note and a great individual. I'm looking forward to his perspective on the news that Jamison Williams is going to potentially start and play for the Detroit Lions against the Jaguars. So we'll see how that potentially plays out. And uh, we got a situation in which some good news has happened for the Detroit Lions. And down the stretch, with uh, six games left, the Lions have a real opportunity to go 4-2. and two. The schedule shakes out where the Detroit Lions have a strong opportunity to win some of these games. you got the Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, Bears, Packers, and Panthers in that uh, in, in that mix, not exactly in that order, but in that mix, you have a situation in which this Detroit Lions team that battled so many injuries earlier in the year, they were struggling to get healthy bodies out there. Now you you return the number 12 overall pick with supreme speed, with supreme talent. When we had a chance to talk to Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, he had said that, man, he, he acknowledged that when they looked at the statistical numbers, the Detroit Lions' number of explosive plays is significantly down. And it makes sense. When you don't have DJ Chark play but only a handful of games, when Josh Reynolds misses time, when Amonra St. Brown goes down for a couple games dealing with a high ankle sprain and misses a large chunk of a game as he was hit and, and taken out of a game due to the league's concussion protocol, the offense was stagnant in regards to explosive plays, not getting the ball out Uh, in terms of deep passes past 15 yards. Yeah, a lot of yards after the catch, a lot of good runs. But in terms of the frequency compared to years past, you look at, you you see that the Lions offense, not as explosive, not taking as many deep shots. And when they do take deep shots, they aren't able to execute at the highest of levels. Now, a Jamison Williams returns? And boy, I think everybody's excited about the potential about what Jamison Williams can bring to the table. And the number one person who should be excited is Jared Goff because of what J-Mo can bring to the table. I think that we're all excited to see the speed. We're excited to see how he's able to elude tacklers, what type of routes does he run, how ex- um, what type of chemistry and how fast does he build it with Jared Goff. So I'm excited to see it, and I'm excited to break it all down with Eric here in just a few minutes. But I would say this, and again, hearkening back to what I said earlier in the show, it's going to be a situation in which you're probably not going to see him play a boatload of offensive snaps. He's not going to play upward of 50% of the offensive snaps against the Jaguars. I think that Jamison Williams, when he eventually gets out there, you're going to see that he has a – you're going to see that – he is a player that early on probably going to get in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 snaps in his first game, and we'll see what type of uh, impact he's going to have. Um, I, I do think he's going to be involved. I think that the offense should be very exciting and should be at least. Now when you see now DeAndre Swift getting healthier, the way in which they're using Jamal Williams, 
Ooh, this offense potentially down the stretch has a chance to do things. And that's what we're all excited to see because it didn't look like this offense was was anywhere near the the capability uh, of um, of meeting where their potential. You see that offense. You see Jared Goff, who obviously is a good game manager, but at the same time, you need more weapons. You need more high-end talent. And this is what the Lions had saved Jamison Williams all this time for. Now's the time. Let's see what he's got over the next six weeks. And I'm going to dial up Eric Woodyard here. And let's see what he thinks about the potential debut of Jamison Williams. Get his perspective on the Lions' number 12 overall pick getting out there on the football field. Man, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. I remember back in the day, I briefly had a contact with Eric down at the Pistons when he was working at a different location. Now he's worked his way to ESPN to cover the Detroit Lions. And man, do I have a good time chatting it up with my guy, Eric, about the Detroit Lions. Eric, it's a fun Saturday. The Detroit Lions announced 4 o'clock Saturday, Jamison Williams is activated off the NFI list. Number 12 overall pick, going to hit the field Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. against the Jaguars. What'd you make of the news? Man, it was big news. I didn't really, I mean, we kind of expected it. You know what I'm saying? We sit together every day. So, you know, me and you sitting in there in press conferences. And, you know, I didn't really, I couldn't really get a sense on, you know, if he was going to play 100% or not. I thought that he probably wouldn't play this week just because it was his first week back. But, you know, clearly he's made a good enough impression to be out there. And like you said, it's exciting, man. I think guys, you know, almost feel like it's, it's Christmas in that locker room. You know, just the excitement that he's bringing to the table. So it, it'll be fun to see him back out there. Yeah, obviously, when we look at this offense, it lacked explosiveness. Even though they got a, a players like the caliber of DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, something was missing. And what's missing is a wideout that who has top-end speed that potentially could get down the field and take the top off of the defense. What, at first, is your impression of what Jamison can bring to this team? Definitely, man. I mean, we, we've talked about it over and over again, but it's that speed. I mean, we saw it even in practice. That speed, man, and how quickly he's even in sprints. It's just like a whole nother level of dimension of quickness that we, we're not seeing from any of the other receivers. I think, you know, for him, it's shaking the rust. You know, I saw him make some good catches, but we also seen him make a couple drops in practice. So I think, um, you know, it's just shaking that rust a little bit, you know, figuring out, you know, getting in, getting in sync with Jared Goff. But I think he's going to bring that speed. He's going to be a threat to that deep ball. This is going to open everything up, especially guys for, for guys like St. Brown and those guys. Yeah, exactly. That's what... I think a player of his caliber is going to bring is everybody else is going to get better. A Monterey St. Brown having a great season. You see uh, DJ Chark when he gets his footing under him, what he could potentially bring. And then DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, man, I think the offense can start purring here down the stretch. And it's so important too, because you look at it, the way in which the season has gone, that three game winning streak really started to build belief in what this Lions team can do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, if you know, you was there, man. It felt like it was kind of like uh, reminiscent of last year. You know, we came in, everybody with these high expectations, and they get off to the, you know, one and six start, and it's like, man, deja vu, same old Lions. And out of nowhere, you know, they just shake things up. We didn't understand the Aubrey Pleasant firing and, you know, them trading TJ Hawkinson, but it, it's like it, they got ignited behind it. They needed something to shake the guys up. 
And it seemed like those moves did. Not saying that either one of those guys were like, Aubrey's a hell of a coach and TJ's a hell of a player, but it seemed like they needed something to shake it up. And I think uh, mentally guys just got back in sync. They had that, you know, that team meeting with the defense where guys just let everything out, you know, for about an hour long, that players only meet. And it just seemed like everything has kind of changed since then. And they've won three of the last four. Yeah, exactly. And now you realize one of the important things that people recognize is this team at with Brad Holmes for the first two years really didn't go out and bring in a bunch of players via free agency. They're building through the draft. And so far, Brad Holmes is hitting on a lot, a high rate of players. You look at Panay Sewell, Amonra St. Brown. You see this year in regards to Aiden Hutchinson and Malcolm Rodriguez, Kirby Joseph. That's five players right there that I've just listed that are going to be a core part of this team. And now you add the number 12 overall pick. It's exciting because you have to think that by all accounts, many people, when they saw the trade take place on, on, uh, on draft night, they said, Oh, this is a player that many people prior to the injury felt was the number one wide out on the board. So he's taken a gamble. And with this, with this young core, I think this this Lions team is poised for a bright future, and it starts against the Jaguars. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, they, like you said, they, even just looking at the last Thanksgiving game that they lost, I mean, these guys are pushing Buffalo to the limit. Yep. And it also feels like Dan is getting a little more – he's learning more and more. I mean, you know, he's, he's received his fair share of criticism for time management and things like that, but he's also learning on the job a little bit. And I think he's getting better as well. But just back on Brad, I think – uh you know, I, I had a chance uh, this offseason, you know, before the draft. I talked to the Rams general manager, Les Snead, and, um, you know, we talked about, you know, Brad Holmes. And he was like, man, this guy is a draft junkie. He said that would be like, you know, before all the final decisions, you know, with, you know, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, you know, John Johnson, Jared Goff. Before all those, you know, draft picks, you know, that was his guy, Brad Holmes. So, you know, his his history of the draft, you know, you got to – some people might not see the vision as it's, as it's playing out, but you have to look at his resume and what he's been able to do. And, you know, even with the Rams and that, 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 that system and what they were able to put together with that, you know, that, that Super Bowl run last year, you know, that he had his imprints on that a lot. So I think, you know, you have to, you know, look at his resume and, you know, he's kind of doing the same thing. That's what he is. He's a draft junkie and it's just, it's paying true. That's really interesting. You had a chance to talk to Les Need, obviously, an individual that, when you looked at the draft, did not mind trading away. He had the famous shirt, F the picks. He's, he's not at, at any point afraid to move on from some picks to potentially move up. So I'm excited to see in Brad Holmes' third draft what he potentially could do now that the Rams pick is, is elevated, could be a top five draft pick. But would you get a sense of with Brad Holmes based on your conversation with Les Snead? Do you think uh, Brad is the right guy for the job? So far, the first couple moves that he's made, shrewd moves. First of all, I give him credit for trading within the division, not once, but twice. You look at across the league, people are like, wait a minute. Fans sometimes scratch their heads and they say, why are you trading within the division? But he's not afraid to say, hey, if I want to make a deal to the Vikings, hey, I'm going to do it. I think that he's got... So, uh, very, he's very courageous. I think he's got an eye for talent, and I think that in regards to building a roster, there's something very much that people can gravitate towards. There's something there to to gravitate toward and to be hopeful about. Yeah, that was the number one thing Snead said. He said Holmes' greatest skill is evaluating talent. He said that was the best thing that he was able to do. And he says, you know, he was really, really adamant about 
you know, getting those picks, you know, in that Stafford, you know, trade, really getting those those third round picks and really, you know, trying to really establish not just the, the, the high level picks, but even those lower level picks. He really fought for those. So, you know, that was really one of the things I've, I've, I've learned about him from talking to other. He's like a he's a hardcore football guy. You know, what I mean, like, you know, if you've been around him and you get to talking football, you you see how excited he gets just to talk the game. And I think that resonates with him being able to get that type of talent, you know, by just evaluating those guys and really putting in the extra work and homework. And, um, yeah, I mean, he had to do it from the ground up. You know, people had to be a little patient. I know it started off slow again this year, but, you know, every pretty much most of the things that he's drafted and he's he's been hitting on. Yeah, and now we get a chance to see Jamison. I think you and I might be in the same boat. Maybe the first game against the Jaguars. Because, man, look, I think people are excited. People are really excited, you know, messaging us at Detroit Sports Podcast, messaging us at All Lions. They're saying, oh, it's like Christmas. Let's go. Let's throw it to him 20 times. I think, first of all, people, let's be realistic here. This is is his first appearance in an NFL game. I'm looking at maybe 10 to 15 snaps, if that, maybe a target or two. Get your feet wet, early screen. Look, it's not going to be the greatest show on turf, game one. But I think what, given now that we know he's going to suit up, I think it's great that they're playing the Jaguars. Not a team that's like a world beater. You're not going up against the Jets and Robert Sala's defense. I think the Jaguars are the perfect team to debut against because you can try some things. But I just want to caution people. I don't expect to see Tyreek Hill on Sunday at Ford Field. It would be nice. Now, if, if you're asking me as a fan and not a, a, a realistic observer, I want to see, okay, throw it 50 yards to golf, throw it 50 yards to J-Mo and let's see what we got. But right. it's not going to happen. I think the Lions always want to set up their players for success. I think you're going to see short, intermediate routes, get in, get out, set them up for success. And I would maybe expect a stat line of one or two catches, maybe 40 yards at best. But let, let him get out there and see what it's like to play in the NFL. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, I mean, if you watch Jared Goff this year, he hasn't been just throwing bombs. It's not math. He's not he's, he's not been letting it loose and airing it out a lot anyway. So I think, you know, like, yeah, I, I see them acclimating him in. And, you know, like you say, just have realistic goals and expectations for this guy. He's been out. You know, he hasn't played in the game in almost a full year. You know what I mean? So, you know, kid has to get his feet wet, get up under him. And, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're going to ease him in slowly and smoothly. But he's ready to get out there. He's ready to create his own mark. He's wearing that number nine. He's not afraid. I had a chance to talk to him, you know, at, when he had his Thanksgiving uh, turkey giveaway at the, at the uh, Detroit uh, Pal. And he was like, I'm not afraid. I'm trying to create my own legacy, my own mark. The kid has swagger. You know, he's he's, he's, he's practicing in his chain. And, you know, he got a, the little diamond chain. He got the, the phone posit cleats. You know what I mean? He's bringing a different level of swagger out there. And I think it's going to be fun because Detroit hasn't had that. Although they've, they've had great players, they haven't had guys with that swagger. And I, you feel it and you see it within talking to this kid. And I think they're going to acclimate him in slowly. He's They look at him as the future of the team. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be limited, limited, limited targets this week. Yeah, exactly. The future of the team, and that's what I like. Talent, that's what is going to turn this around. High-end talent. You got grinders like Amonra St. Brown. You got grinders like Jamal Williams. Now you need a couple more pieces that can take the top off in the offense, that can bring the swagger that at any given moment, you hand, you know, you, you toss him a 15-yard pass, maybe he turns on the Jets and can extend plays and maybe even take it to the house. At least that threat will open up the offense for, I think, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift will benefit greatly with the addition of 
uh, Jamison Williams. But I do want to talk to you a, a couple more things about the offense. Man, Jamal Williams, when you look at his addition to this team, a two-year deal signed in 2020, obviously was viewed as a role player. I thought that his training camp was very interesting in that we had a chance to talk to Jamal Williams, and he was saying, you know, I want to show people I'm a complete back. I'm not just a, a secondary, uh, uh, not just a number two back. I can do it all. I can block. I'm reliable. And now this year, he comes out and really has established himself as the red zone guy. 13 touchdowns, a leader. I mean, we're just hanging out in the locker room looking for conversations. All of a sudden, everybody's donning a robe with their name on it, and everybody's smiling and happy. Why? Jamal Williams is lighting up the locker room with presence and really treating the locker room with respect, no matter if it's a win or a loss. He he is one of the true leaders of this team, and I think a guy that you you have to kind of resign, no matter what his asking price is, within reason, I think Jamal Williams is has earned himself a new deal in Detroit. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Anytime you come out and lead the NFL in any category, you know, statistically like how he has, and he's leading the Russian touchdowns, you got to resign this guy. Like you say, he's the ultimate locker room guy. Dude, you know, his 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 attitude is just infectious. Every day he comes in, and he's just, you know, you, you see him every day. He's lighting up the room, man. He can talk to anybody, you know, just has great spirit, great energy, and he's reliable, number one. I mean, that's the biggest thing. We know guys can have skills, but, you know, how, how often are you available? The, the guy's available. He takes care of his body. You know, he's holding up, and he's literally having a breakout season in year six. So I think, you know, the Lions – you know, definitely caught him at the right time. That was definitely one of the best moves that they made, you know, of, through the, throughout this regime as well. And you got to resign him. I mean, you know, give him a couple years again. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. Now we look at it, six games, E, I think it's a real interesting final stretch here. There's a stretch of winnable games. Prior to the year, I had the Lions going eight and nine. Now that mm. would require a four and two finish. That is within reason. Starts yes. with potentially winning against the Jaguars. You still have the Bears, Jets, Panthers on your schedule. Maybe you're competing strong against the Vikings and the Packers, but there's no real world beaters that you say that you can't compete against. That's what is beautiful about this final six-game stretch is, one, the team is healthier. Only a couple guys ruled out against the Jaguars. The team is getting healthy at the right time. I think there's look that the playoffs might be a stretch, ten percent chance is what the uh, odds say realistically. But mm-hmm. bottom line, you look at this football team. There's a lot of wins still remaining on the schedule. I think so for sure. I think they can definitely. I think four and two wouldn't be a stretch, but I'm at least expecting them to get three out of these next six. You know for sure. I think that's definitely. You know they can start with Jacksonville, build off that momentum that they just had versus Buffalo in the three games before that. You know, make better decisions as a coaching staff as well. Limit those mistakes and, you know, uh, opportunities to, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. And I definitely think that's definitely um, doable at this point. They're catching, they're getting hot at the right time. A lot of people expected them to come out hot like this because of hard knocks and all that, you know. But realistically, they had a lot of injuries, man. They had some tough games at the beginning of the year, questionable decisions made. And I think, you know, now they're starting to become the team that a lot of people thought they would be. Absolutely. And you said it, limit the mistakes. Where do you shake out on the coaching in regards to the clock management? I know a lot of people will say, okay, on one end, Dan Dan Campbell is aggressive. He's using analytics. It's a new era of aggressive football. But at the same time, with his aggression and clock management, there are times you got to kind of dial it down a little bit, maybe on third and one, maybe not a pass play, maybe bleed the clock a little bit more. So, yeah, you said it earlier. 
he's learning. Second year full-time, uh, obviously was an interim back with Miami. But, man, you see it across the league. I am surprised when you saw what happened with Jeff Saturday not using timeouts, clock management, both in college and the pros. There is just a fine art to running the clock exactly right. But I, I don't want, and I know you, you know what I'm talking about, I don't want people to turn on Dan Campbell and call him out like they did with Jim Caldwell because everybody said, look, Caldwell's the guy, but when it, when it comes to Sundays, the game management ain't on point. It mm. is tough, too, because we ask him about it, and obviously he's not going to be as exactly forthright with us about these inner workings of the decisions, but these clock management decisions are real, and they have impact because when you play the Bills and you don't bleed the clock and you give Josh Allen 25 seconds, that's enough for a, cal- a player of his caliber to go down the field and cost you the W. Do you see that happening over the course of the next couple years, or do you say maybe this guy is going to, and Dan Campbell, just you know be as aggressive as possible and, and let's see what happens? I think he's going to be aggressive, but I think he's going to learn too. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's, it, it, I think people are right for calling him out for some of the decisions, but mm-hmm. you also have to understand, you know, this guy is still learning. As I said before, he's still learning, man. So, I mean, you know, he's still learning. And he's still able to get the team. Uh, a, lot, a lot of coaches do have the time management and all that, but can't get guys motivated and want them to play for them. So it's like a catch-22. You got to, pick, you know, pick out what he is good at, and that's motivating guys, getting them to play hard for him at all times, but now it's time to really, you know, hone in on those fine tunes or really, you know, learn how to manage that clock, really learn how to make great decisions and, you know, not costing, you know, gains with coaching. So I think, you know, that's going to come with time, but he's getting better and better. He's got a lot better even from the beginning of the season to now. Absolutely. I've enjoyed talking football with Eric Woodyard. You can check out his work, ESPN.com. He's part of NFL Nation there, covering the Lions deeply, does features, and uh, uh, also being recognized for his work too, nominated for an award for his writing and great features. I'm curious, what has been one or two of your favorite features so far that you've put together? Man, um, you talking about as far as just since I've been covering the Lions? Sure, absolutely, or anything that you put together. Yeah, yeah, I would say since I've been covering the Lions, uh, definitely um, the one we did with Calvin Johnson uh, about his record, record-breaking record game when he, as he was going into the Hall of Fame, that game he had against the Dallas Cowboys when he went off 300-plus yards. You know, kind of getting behind the scenes of that and telling that story, that was great. Telling that oral history of the 1992 playoff team, the last team to win a you know, playoff game, those were some of my favorites. Uh, even just some of the, the opportunities I've had to sit down with with Brad Holmes as well. And, you know, talk about, you know, how he's trying to impact, you know, black coaches in the HBCU community, you know, those type of conversations are necessary as well. I've had fun with those, even spotlighting, you know, gridiron, (laughs) the guy who sings the touchdown songs, you know, it's been a lot of them. That's been fun. The everyday guy, you know, Mo, if you're around Alliance at all, you know who Mo is. He's, he has this great infectious spirit and, um, you know, is laughing every day. So I, I, I got a chance to do a spotlight on Mo. And, um, yeah, some of those have been my favorite, man. It's just been fun because, uh, you know, obviously it means a lot for me. Basketball had always been my my number one sport to cover. So it's like I'm, you know, able to uh, show that I can show my versatility. So to be honored in any way, um, it's great for me because I'm not expecting it at all. It's totally unexpected, man. I'm still learning and I'm having fun. And uh, it's, it's been great, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's why I wanted to have this conversation with you. Not only is a great writer, very funny, very down to earth, always enjoy our conversations. Now that I know that you're an author, maybe I'll have you slip me one of your books or so uh, on the DL here. You know, I'm not down to go on Amazon and pay for it, but maybe you slip me one. I know you cover Flint, you cover the Spartans and things like that. A lot of good topics as well. I'm a Michigan State alum, so I'm looking forward to future conversations as well. Eric, man, thank you so much for your time. Now that you know who's dialing you up and bugging you, we can have... We can have more gotcha, conversations. John. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. E, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you, John. I appreciate you, man. Yep. yep. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Before I dialed him up, obviously, we've been going back and forth. Uh, I see him every day. And I've said, I want to talk to you on this podcast, but, you know, schedules and things like that. So when the news broke about Jameson, I shot him a text. I have his number. And obviously, the funniest part is, and it happens a lot, he's like, yeah, I want to come on the podcast. Who is this? I'm like, it's John, the guy that you're sitting next to every day. So it's always funny in that uh, we, we usually conversate via Twitter and at the Lions Allen Park facility. But Eric Woodyard, nice people. The one thing about covering the Lions, the reporters are great. They are very knowledgeable, very friendly. I learned a ton from Eric, from Colton Pouncey, from Justin Rogers, Jeremy Reisman, Kyle Mikey, Ben. I learned a lot from a lot of the guys there. Tim Twentyman, oh my goodness, there's so much good information. Mike O'Hara, the ability to be there, uh, literally, you almost feel like I should be paying tuition to be sitting in the room with those individuals. Uh, The features that they write, the way in which they uh, put together information. And I'm going to say it, I take a little bit of it from everybody. That's the best way to be, is be yourself and take from the the knowledge, the passion of Justin Rogers, the the film study, the information, the way in which the level-headedness that the journalists bring definitely helps keep me in line as I'm wildly thinking about, okay, one week I want to fire Dan Campbell, the next week I want to put him in the Hall of Fame. It's great that I get to be in that room and to force my way in as a podcaster because that's where I came from was the audio uh, the audio world and to force my way in, to earn my way to cover the team has been rewarding because not only, guys, do I just cover the Lions, but I get like such inside access and knowledge by exploring what the guys are asking, how the information is being disseminated, and it gives you such clarity in regards to, oh, okay, this is what the themes are emerging regarding the Lions. So it just gives uh, Detroit Sports Podcast and All Lions a fresh perspective regarding the team. And that's why I'm so grateful to have this platform. I'm grateful to be able to break it down and have great conversations with guys like Eric. And you you will for sure hear his voice on this platform as somebody that knows football and is, is, is connected to the Lions as well. Well, guys, Jamison Williams, now actively part of the Lions. Let's hope for the best, taper expectations, but Jamo's coming and it's going to be exciting. I think the question that we're going to ask, and we've talked about it, you know my stance at All Lions, can Jared Goff get the rock to Jamison Williams? That's the question. That's the big question, and let's find out. We got six weeks. Please, one touchdown, maybe two, one deep ball, in stride, Jamison Williams. Let's see what happens. Thanks, everybody. You've just listened to the latest All Lions podcast, made possible thanks to SI.com and the Arena Group. Thanks, everybody.